Life Audio. You are listening to Hope for Women with Father Wounds, Episode 45, Exchanging Father Wounds for the Love of God the Father with Jenny Erlingson. I'm your host, Kia Stevens. This podcast is for women who have experienced pain in their father-daughter relationship as a result of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, addiction, or a physically present but emotionally absent father. The aim of this podcast is to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. If you are benefiting from this podcast and think it might help another woman, I encourage you to share it with a friend, rate, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Today's conversation is going to be with Jenny Erlingson, and she is a wonderful author, speaker, and a wife to a handsome Viking from Iceland and mother to four equally cute and feisty kids. After 12 years in pastoral ministry at The Rock FWC in Huntsville, Alabama, her family followed the call of God to Iceland. From there, Jenny continues her passion for writing, creating, and encouraging others. Her two published works, Becoming His and Milk and Honey in the Land of Fire and Ice, combine nonfiction, biblical fiction, and prose to help women cultivate Christ-centered identity, intimacy, and influence. Over the years, she has spoken at conferences, gatherings, small groups, and Bible studies, and she continues to do so in and from Iceland. Jenny is the founder of Milk and Honey Women and Milk and Honey Books, where she encourages others to remain firmly rooted in Christ as they step out in their unique purposes, including writing and publishing. Her desire is to help others break the fear of men off their lives so they can walk out their calling with beauty and boldness. Now let's dive in. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, hello, ladies. I am super excited to bring to you another friend, Jenny Erlingston. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Good. Good, good to be here today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's, it's great to chat with you. And I, I got to say, I asked Jenny how to pronounce her name first because she is in Iceland and Erlingston is an Icelandic name. So can you just pronounce it for us, for our listeners? Yeah, I'm going yeah, I pronounce it Erlingson, but they usually say like Erlingson. Er- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we've gotten a little education here. Thank you so much, Jenny. But if you don't know who she is, I want to let you know just a snippet about her. 
She is an author, speaker, a wife to a handsome Viking from Iceland, and mother to four equally cute and feisty kids. After 12 years in pastoral ministry at The Rock FWC in Huntsville, Alabama, her family followed the call of God to Iceland. Whoa, that is quite a follow. From there, Jenny continued her passion for writing, creating, and encouraging others. Her two published works, Becoming His and Milk and Honey in the Land of Fire and Ice, combined nonfiction, biblical fiction, and prose to help women cultivate Christ-centered identity, intimacy, and influence. Over the years, she has spoken at conferences, gatherings, small groups, and Bible studies, and she continues to do so in and from Iceland. Denny is the founder of Milk and Honey Women and Milk and Honey Books, where she encourages others to remain firmly rooted in Christ as they step out in their unique purposes, including writing and publishing. Her desire is to help others break the fear of man off their lives so they can walk out their calling with beauty and boldness. I love that, Jenny. That is such a call on your life. And I'm sure for many of us, that call was deeply rooted in the life that we lived, you know, in what we overcame and are overcoming. So I think I'd love to just start with the beginning for you, your childhood. Can you tell us a little bit about what your childhood was like? My childhood definitely was interesting. And, you know, even with all the things that I did not always care for, but honestly, I lived with no regrets there because of what it forms, you know, within me in the midst of it. But my parents are Nigerian. And so uh, my mom, you know, came here to join my, uh, my father who was going to school. And my brother and I were born, you're on top, I'm the oldest, and then he was born. But shortly after a few years, I think my parents started having you know, some different issues going on. And between them, we ended up going back to Nigeria for a few months. And that was a little touch and go because we weren't sure if we would be coming back to the States after that time. And then from there, we ended up moving to the Maryland, D.C. area. And with them, some other Nigerian friends. And it was that time where I remember more distinctly the struggle. You know, my mom working, you know, cleaning houses, dropping us off sometimes to different, you know, people or daycare, you know, in-home daycares, which, you know, God bless the in-home daycare because she did that for season two to earn money, right? Yeah. But there were times where she said that she would drop us off and just be crying because she's like, God, please protect them. That's all I can, you know, afford and take care of. And, um, and I remember those times of just like, oh, I just want a dog here, you know, and just all of that. But I tell you what, like, I'm so thankful for God's cover and protection because not everyone's story is the same. I don't ever recount. It's just by the grace of God because everyone's story is different. Any kind of level of abuse, anything like that in those times. So I know we, you know, were, were covered. And I'm just so thankful for that. But like my brother dealt with asthma. He was hospitalized. So I remember there were times my mom would be crying too. You know, she would have to leave my brother, you know, during, I think sometimes during the day to go work and would come back and realize maybe certain things hadn't been taken care of and all that as she was in the hospital while I was with another family friend. He had all the situations. We lived in, you know, very low-income housing. Sometimes had to share housing with other people, you know, just to be able to survive. So all of that was kind of going on with that residual of, of what was going on between my parents, the separation and all of that. And, but then, you know, they reconciled. We moved to Knoxville. My sister was born. My parents were still in school. 
My dad finished his his degree and then we moved to Alabama and then things kind of continued and escalated even more from there. So just, again, a lot of struggle financially, a lot of different situations that caused separation and just things that had, took place within, you know, that kind of altered that covenant, if you will, of, of marriage. And so that's kind of how I grew up. But in the middle of all of it, I think, and I know my mom struggled so much and went through such hard times, but it is where... I believe that foundation of faith got developed because in the middle of it, my mother was ordering the old school super book, you know, video VHSs for us. She, that's where I got my first Bible that I love, the Bible that I wrote in and said, we're asked the question and you do want to be Jesus friend. I said, yes, I do. And, and I began to just read through that and come to that. My love for reading, I think came during that time. And so, because I wasn't just, wasn't just us going to church on Sunday, wasn't just hearing about a God on the surface. He was our survival. He was and is everything. And so for, for me, that just solidified and just began to deepen some roots that, you know, I don't know would have been as deep maybe if I was in another circumstance. I'm so, I'm so thankful for how God moves in the middle of all of that, despite the struggle, despite maybe hard times and all of that. But what he does in the middle of it, if we will, you know, lean into him. And my mom, she did her best and she did. And I'm so that I like that. No amount of money can buy that, that level of inheritance. Like you can't, that's something that just cannot be replicated. So I'm so thankful that she made that choice in the middle of yes, struggle for us to be situated on the rock of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so I can tell we're going to be in for a very good interview, you know, but Jenny, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think about women who might be listening that are single mothers right now, and they're having some of that same anxiety and fear and concern about the welfare of their own kids and are they going to be okay and even circumstances and situations that they've had to do, you know, because they didn't maybe have the means to put them in the best of of child care situations or they had to work or they, you know, just all the situations that come up when you're a single parent. And I hope that, and I want to say I'm a product of a single parent household. I know you, it wasn't completely single parent. Your parents were kind of going back and forth in their relationship, but I just want to offer hope, you know, just take a minute and offer hope and say that God is there. If you find yourself in that situation right now and you're really concerned about your kids and their welfare, just say a prayer to God and ask him to be a sovereign protector and a provider for your family. And I believe he'll do that just as we see he did for Jenny. And and, and shout out to your mom for, you know, she she could have been she could have been so discouraged. She could have been really caught up in her own emotions and what was taking place between her and, and your father. But she had the wherewithal to deposit a seeds of faith on the inside of her kids and to really, you know, make that spiritual investment in your lives and, and we can see it paid off. So that's another encouragement, you know, again, to single mothers to say, you know, invest in your kids if you can't do anything but pray with them or pray over them, pray with them in the carpool line, invest in your kids. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you, what was your relationship with your dad like? Because that's a lot of movement that was taking place. I mean, literal movement in terms of the geographical location, but then also just movement in terms of stability. You know, it's an ever-changing situation. 
And I think, you know, everyone's story, like I said before, is so different of what that experience is, is like. Mine was, you know, in a way, honestly, it was good, say, surface because, you know, and anyone who was born of African parents or even other different cultures, and it's, it's everywhere, but we, we, we laugh about these things that that drive for, you're going to be either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an accountant, like that, that's about it. Like, you know, like that's where you, you're at. So, or, you know, and I guess I'm a professor, but that, that's, that was my, 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 that's my father. So that drive for excellence, that drive for to perform and to be above and to to succeed and all of that. So that was definitely there, which is part of the reasons why the mood, you know, because of just that the educational aspect and all all of those things and, and status and everything. But I think that there's a dark side if again, if you're not your foundation's not on Christ, you know, and, and what your motives are. The dark side of it is, and anyone can look at this, whether you're a CEO, whether you're you know, a full-time ministry pastor, is that like, what does your time look like? Are you there? Yeah. What, what, what are you giving your all to? What are you giving the best of you to? And so I think that was what was, was happening. I felt the drive to perform and succeed. You know, I, like I wanted to please my father. I wanted to do well. I wanted to get, continue to get the all A's. And, and be uh, affirmed as being intelligent and smart and successful and all that. But at the same time that I don't necessarily have the presence of my father there consistently for those those things where I'm like learning your ways, I'm getting to know you and what's funny that, you know, all of those things that help not just strengthen you and adorn you outwardly, but give you depth on the inside, that give you stability, that make you feel safe. You know what I'm saying? That's the security. That's kind of what I did not feel. And I, and so the atmosphere size would be tense because the tension between those two of what, what he was striving for versus what the family really needed. That was, that was, there was some tension there. And I felt that growing up all the time and feeling like I was, I was a disappointment if I could not, you know, produce what I needed to produce to succeed. And that went out even to my college years when I made a different decision. I chose social work instead of medicine. That was hard, you know, and that was a lot of tension there. So, so yeah, so I think that was kind of our relationship. Like it's, it was good and I felt happy if I was like succeeding and performing well. But then when I wasn't or if I had a different type of need, that wasn't being met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I think so many women can relate, especially if the need, the the innate needs for affirmation and validation and just that right, you know, unconditional love that there's no need for you to perform when that wasn't there in the life of a woman, then she does what she can to survive and to either try to find it someplace else or perform to keep it or, or whatever she has to do because it's an innate need. God put it in inside of us. You know, every every person has these, these needs for significance or satisfaction for security, for safety, for, you know, affirmation and for validation. And so I I can imagine the tension that you felt and the just how desperate you wanted to be affirmed and approved of. And I think that if you're listening and you find yourself in that place now, just know that you're already affirmed 
and you're already loved and you're already validated and wanted and seen by Almighty God. It's pro- it's not happenstance that I'm saying this on this podcast. It's it's by divine design, you know, it's by God's heart that we're talking about it. Just be encouraged. So do you have any fond memories of your childhood with your father? Anything that sticks out? I mean, I have definitely have a few, you know, if, like I said, you know, if you're going out shopping, usually that was like, you know, you know, when money was there or maybe coming back from a trip or whatever, it was like, here that, you know, these things I brought for you or um, we're going to go shopping. And so that was, those would be like my fondest <laughs> because it was, it was time spent, but it's also to some of your needs being met and even going up to college, you know, and getting the things that we needed as we got there. My dad's like, oh, well, probably need a computer, you probably need all these things. So just those moments of those needs being met and the times where I remember when I need, wanted to start wearing makeup. So <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to be in a play. And you take me to buy, you know, some makeup for the play. It wasn't really for the play. I just really wanted to start wearing makeup, <laughs> you know. But he, but he took me, and so so it wasn't. And, I, and my dad is a very generous person, honestly. He really he really is, and he's he's poured resources into his family members in Nigeria and resources into us when he had it. If he has the money, then he's going to pour the resources resources there. So that was one thing that has just been evident with with my dad. So those were the fun times where he would go. He would take us, yeah, shopping to get certain things and the, to make to make sure we had what we needed. Again, outwardly providing uh, mm-hmm. when when he had it, and so that was the good part. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think you know, for many of us, it's helpful to weigh the good and the bad. You know, to just have a, a balanced perspective of you know, you know, this wasn't great, but this was this was okay or this was nice, you know, for those of us that that can do that. Now with your mother and father, did it just kind of continue to be on again, off again for the matriculation of your, you know, your your life until you became an adult? Or was there a point when it was off again and it was just off again and he was gone. Yeah, it was, I would say when I was 12, probably just 11, you know, that things had always been kind of building up. And I think this time my mom got to the point where she's like, you know what, like I, I need to do for, I, I've, I've got to do for me. Like I've got to, you know, we talk about self-care and it can be thrown out in sometimes ways that are just very surface. But then this one was really very like deep, like I, I can't live under this level of pressure anymore. And then I can't allow my kids to live in maybe this type of tension anymore. And so she decided instead of, you know, begging back, instead of all, you know, do these different things that were taking place, we're going to, we're going to release this, <laughs> you know, I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop, you know, fighting this and, and, and surrender to you, Lord. And he, she just, I mean, had so much confirmation from the word that I say confirmation, not like confirmation for that, that decision, but confirmation that God would take care of us beyond that point, if you will, in Isaiah 54. And so when I was 12 was when, yeah, they, they went for Forward with a divorce and that was finalized. And, and you know, some of the people ask me, and I, I have a hard time, I'll be honest with you, giving uh, advice. When, and I can give the encouragement and the advice, but I have a hard time in that situation because I'm, I'm not always, it just, you have to lean into Holy Spirit. Like you, you yeah. have to, when you're in situations, whether it's woman's relationship with her spouse or you know, what's best for her kids, you have to lean in with Holy Spirit. You have to look at your situation to see what's really going on because I've seen God bring restoration to the craziest of, of circumstances. Um, and then, but in like our situation, you know, it was like, okay, Lord, it was peace, peace about this. And honestly, I, I remember feeling relieved as 
this 12 year old, to right. be honest with you. And because, and it wasn't different for me because, you know, my dad wasn't, was hardly there in a way. So it wasn't that different circumstance, you know, maybe the struggle got more like maybe defined those years afterwards. But I, but my mom began to grow and she'll tell you herself that she just felt her confidence rising. You know, there are some steps that we made um, from purchasing a house to her going back to school for social work, um, all these things that are maybe she wouldn't have done beforehand. And I mean, one of the verses that she just leaned on that God gave her in Isaiah 54, 13 says, all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. And that was just a huge thing for her was, like, okay, God, all right going to take care of us. You know, you're going to take care because it was four of us by that point. My my youngest was an infant and yeah, just uh, my youngest brother was an infant. So she just, she's leaned into that piece. And so when people ask me, what do I think? And and just, and all that, and I just tell them, lean into the Holy Spirit and ask them because I can't, you know, we know what the, how the Lord feels about divorce and these things, but we also know the grounds for it, you know, and we, we know his heart in the matter for, you know, your well-being and just there's so many dynamics. And so people have to lean into the Holy Spirit. But I will say again, just like with my mom struggling when I was younger and in this situation, even up to now, it's that your rock has to be Christ, has mm-hmm. to be Christ. There are things that I think moms may want to do for comfort, may think an automatic yes should be maybe to take care of the family. But I mean, but you have to lean into the Lord because maybe what you think is the best solution for you is not. And, and, and there's a different way that God wants you to step forward with your life. So so yes, it uh, definitely, that's when it all kind of, sh- the tipping point and it all shifted. Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate you bringing that topic up, Jenny. It, it's uh, really tender. And so many women who grew up without the love and affirmation of their biological father find themselves as adults in relationships with men that do not treat them in the way that God would have a woman to be treated. They find themselves uh, replicating the what they experienced with their biological father, whether that be where they saw abuse, where they saw addiction, where they saw emotionally, physically present, but emotionally absent or, you know, just abandonment. You know, it it becomes sometimes, you know, unintentional a replication of of what they experienced as children. And so then there's this frustration of what do I do now? And my recommendation, I follow the Bible. I follow the Bible, but I always say, please get sound counsel. I think the uh, word of God says there's safety in a multitude of, of counsel. Wise Christian counsel, you know, your pastor, someone you pay for, someone you respect. You just really need to bathe that in prayer and see what is the, the best overall decision to be made. So thank you for sharing your heart on that on that matter. And I know it took a, a great deal of courage and prayer on your mother's your mother's position in that because she has four kids. And I'm I'm sure that there's even outside of Christianity, just for the Nigerian culture, that there's things you just do not do. And I would think that divorce is, is one of them. So, yeah. So when you said you experienced relief for maybe the sense of that normalcy is going to come in or new normal, or it's going to at least be consistent uh, was there any part of you that was sad? I think, you know, I would be sad in comparison to what I didn't really experience or what I had no, what's the word? Ex- yeah, experience with. 
So that would make me sad that I did it when I would see other maybe friends with their with their father, knowing that that's not the type of relationship, you know, that we have. So I think that, you know, but it's, it's you know, it's just this far away because you realize you just you don't, you don't know also what you don't know. So what I would see with, you know, my friends and all that, like, oh, wow, that's that's not. Oh, wow. That's so cool. How she kind of really hugs like that or, you know, or can just trust like that or even as simple as, you know, daddy's with the family going to church together, all of those things. So that would be like, oh, man, I wish, you know, I knew what that felt like. But that but it wasn't like a um, overwhelming Sorry, because again, I didn't know what I what I what I didn't know, and and I had you know, and uh, this happened throughout too. You know, I've already <laughs> cried, so you cried different tears for different reasons. So it was kind of like, okay, Lord, like we're just gonna keep on moving, you know, forward. And you know, I think birth order has to do with it, and being the oldest, but you just feel like, okay, you're carrying these things on your your shoulder, and you just kind of keep on moving forward. And that independence, you know, got solidified. <laughs> In me that God later dealt with, right? When the season was right. But when I was, when I was 12, yeah, I, I'm thankful for that, some kind of strength within me. So yeah, so I think that would, was what would make me sad. And, but I, it wouldn't trigger me in me until again, I saw other friends or I would watch movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it, it seems with, with like, with fathers. So this is now moving from 12 and later, you know, up to as I was older. I'm seeing with fathers in them and just different, you know, nuances and all that. I would sob like a baby when I would see that and just or just that aspect of of family and full belonging, full security and safety. Antoine Fisher was one of them where I mean, dear God. Well, that was, I mean, there was a tearjerker anyway. That held when he comes back to that full table, you know, um, things like that. Uh, Even like, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a walk to remember when the guy, he has mm-hmm. tension with his dad, but at the very end, find out that, that his dad pays for his well, girlfriend. She ended up being wife, I guess, before she died, the treatment. I mean, to see him solve it. Or was it, you didn't just ruin the movie, but go on and go see the movie. If you, <laughs> you don't watch the name, right? I mean, it's been out for probably about two decades. So, you know, <laughs> and, but, uh, but, you know, so, so movies like that, so wouldn't, yeah, and I'm fond of my life until those kind of little trigger moments. I'm like, oh, those are the things that, you know, like either, you know, oh, I'm missing that or it's just it's just points to a vulnerable, tender spot, if that makes sense. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I can totally relate. I remember I was looking at an interview with Michael Hyatt and his daughter. They were probably selling a product. <laughs> Selling a product. And she looks at him with this kind of playful, like, oh, dad, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, you know, you know, I just, oh, my God. you know, and I, and I just went there. It, it, it was the, it was so subtle. It was not a, a big overt type of deal. She just glanced at him in a playful way. And I knew that that type of playful interaction that they had came from a deep, relationship that they had with one another, which praise God that they have it. But for me in that particular time and moment, it was like putting a laser beam on what I lacked and what I had not experienced in the history that my father and I did not have, you know, so I can definitely relate to, you know, periodic trigger moments where you, you felt the sadness. I want to ask you not just about sadness, but just about the impact on your life relationally, 
spiritually into that. We've kind of talked about spiritually that you did lean into God, but many women, myself included, say that there was this lure to the opposite sex to try and get the needs that your dad did not meet met. Did you experience anything or were you head on straight? Don't have time. I hope you I hope you were the head on straight. Don't have time. Jenny. Uh, I think I would say I'm saying yes and no. <laughs> I, you know, whatever the you know, you have so many variables at play. Right. I was harming like this and I was, you know, really awkward, you know, looking. So, you know, you had like, you know, this super skinny, really tall girl. It wasn't like I was like the one that, you know, the opposite sex was spawning after anyway, right? And so, so, so growing up, but, and also I had my share of pressures, right? We all have. Yeah. So that's why I say yes and no, because I had definitely major crushes, but I think once I got to, now that is a long time, my early, late teens, early twenties, I was like, you know what? <laughs> because I wasn't, I, I, there wasn't anyone knocking, you know, at my door. And if, and if people thought, had a certain thought, they just never approached me because, you know, whatever intimidation that I carried. But I got to a point though, it was like, okay, Lord, no one's really like approaching me or pursuing me. And I feel like you have this like angel with a sword in front of me. Keeping <laughs> Well, I was fine, but I'm just going to embrace it, Lord God. So if you don't get to this point in my life, then would you just let the one who gets sin, let, let that person be my future husband? Because I'm, let me not try to waste any time anymore. Because I mean, even if you don't dig and whatever, you're mentally, you can get wasted by just, you know, what you're trying to pursue and all that and what you try to lean into. So I think there was ways where I was doing things for friends of the opposite sex, especially to earn approval, right? To, to please, to all those type of things. I think the friendships in general. And that's where uh, those things that come up that I'm really passionate against, you know, from fear of man to performance mentality, I think those things all come into play with, with, with your friendships um, and with your potential relationships as well. So that, and that also, you know, even though lean into the Lord, but that also I realized came to play with my relationship with God because I realize I was like, I don't actually feel like I can be safe or fully secure with you, Lord. I feel like I also have to perform and to, to please, and, and yes, we want to please God, but to, I'm seeing God through the filter of yeah, in relationships, my father, and I feel like I've got to do you know, got to get through my Bible at a certain time. I've got to be in the when every time the church door is open, I'm I've got to be there. I mean, this just means a teenager. And so it wasn't until that same period in my early twenties going off to college where God had to strip down everything and take me on this journey to remind me that he's not just and I hope this doesn't sound you know bad. Not, he's not just God, he's God the Father. And that revelation of, of that fatherhood and that trickled down to everything of how I, I saw him and therefore how he saw me, how he saw the relationships that I had, like me trusting him for my future husband, you know, knowing that God, you have my best interest. I can trust you like a father. You have my best interest. And so, so yeah, so it definitely trickled to a lot of different places. And, and I really had to tear down and off that filter of how I saw the people around me and God himself. Yes. Oh, goodness gracious. That is so good. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head in terms of just recognizing that not only is our, our biological father, the subsequent lens through which we view all other men, but he can also be the lens through which we view God, not intentionally, but it's just something that 
forms in our development because we, God has revealed himself to us as father. We associate male with God. Although God is spirit, but, you know, I think it's really interesting that God chose to reveal himself to us as father. Uh, he could have said I, God is son or God is fish or God is tree. But he said God is father. I am a father. You know, and it's just so interesting that though we have so many different connotations with this word, this is the one he chose. And when you think of what a good father looks like. God wants us to see him in that way and then some because he's he's a good father, but he's a great father. He's a perfect father. And just the journey to embrace him as such, I mean, it requires so much trust and so much stripping of our preconceived notions and assumptions as well. So whew, a lot there, a lot there. I would imagine that God was very instrumental with you making peace with your biological father. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that journey was like for you? Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately it's first having to make peace with yourself for sure. Yeah. And, and I, and I, you know, it's always that progression. But when I saw God through a different light, okay, Lord, I can come to you boldly, like Hebrews 4.16 says, that you do love me unconditionally, and, you know, and all of that. So from there, then I had to make peace with me. Is like, okay, am I going to continue to be tossed around by emotion when things happen? When I get into it with, you know, with my dad, and I mean, if he would, if he would, he would, he would fail at times where I would be like, you know, very dramatic though, but very, you know, emotional when certain things happened, and and maybe we could need to have a conversation because I'd be crying yeah. and all that, and because the emotions would be so huge. And I remember there was a situation that happened around my wedding. And I had to, you know, talk to him and say, I'm going to do something different, you know, and, and all that. And that was really like, you know, kind of hard for him to receive. But it just, you know, I just had to make the best decision what I felt for that that moment. And my mom came down the hallway. She goes, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, really? Why? She goes, because you didn't cry. <laughs> you didn't cry. You didn't get escalated. You just you were confident in your decision and and all of that. And listen, this is like 26, 27 year old me. OK, so it wasn't even like, I, you know, I was a, a spring chicken, you know. So and she's like, but I'm, I'm very proud of you. And and I, in that season, I was realizing that, you know what, like I, I don't honor people necessarily because they deserve honor. I can have the freedom to honor people because I'm an honorable person. And uh, and I don't, can, can I even tell you where I blew that from, who I got that from? But that changed everything for me. It's that type of thing too, where you're talking about forgiveness, right? Like we don't just say forgive for the other person, we forgive for us, right? And so I realized that and that changed everything because I realized I don't have to be costume for with my emotions. I don't have to get all worked up. I don't have to. I can I can step forward confidently. I can I can state, I can confront well, give my opinion without fear of what that person thinks or fear of the fallout. And I can do it in an honorable way because just like God does not change how it feels about me, doesn't have to change my love for that person, you know, didn't have to change my respect for my father, but I could, I could, I could, I could say, because I'm honorable, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to make this different decision. And that began to really allow that, that peace to come. Honestly, it changed our conversations. It changed how I checked up. It changed the things I did where it wasn't like, I'm going to wait for you to call me first. I'm going to wait for you to do this first. No, like, Hey, if it comes to my mind, if God drops something in me, like, okay, Hey, how are you doing? All the, does that make sense? All those type of things. So when I finally made peace with me and decided this is the person that, that I want to be, 
then it just it began to change everything and change those interactions that, that I had. Mm-hmm. And and what I hear that I think you are not saying is that the ability to make peace with yourself was undergirded by your relationship with God. You know, that's what God gives us that type of security where I know I have the choice of how I'm going to engage with you. You can be acting all manner of foolish, but I am going to engage with you as the in a whole and a beloved daughter of God, my heavenly father. And so whatever you do does not dictate how I'm going to respond. I wish I could say I'm fully where Jenny is. <laughs> I've had moments where you just get to a tipping point and okay, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. but I think just knowing that if you're, if you're out there, you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Or I'm, I'm feeling like I'm tossed to and fro by the way, just know that it is possible for us to be so secure in the love that we receive from God, our Heavenly Father, that we are able to make decisions in the moment to respond to someone that has been unloving in a loving way or someone that is not deserving of honor, but we are able to bestow honor upon them. And in saying that, I just want to also give a caveat and say there is no one size fits all for honor. You know, I can't say that if honor for you is paying for your dad lunch, that that's the same way that God is calling me to honor my my dad. It just might not be. So I love that about the Lord. Yeah, I, I think that is, was really good to bring up because that is, and even sometimes in our Christian culture, that's been abused so much in a way. And so it, it is, it could, it's not like, we can't understand, it's not about a person demanding that of you. It's you yourself through like the Lord's leading and through the fruits of the spirit of operating in that way toward people and other people and as deserving their respect and honor as looking at people as image bearers. So that's that's the thing, too. You got to think if that's something that's being demanded of you, like, listen, you do what you need to do. You set your boundaries up. You get to before the Lord. But so this part is like when you feel compelled and you feel like you are in a place where you can step forward. Yes. And 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 bestow that and, and give that honor. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. It's going to be driven by the Holy Spirit and driven out of the work that he's already done it through transforming your heart but it's not you know where you're like honor you know it's not it's not like I'm I'm forcing myself to honor you because you know you you can't I'm I'm forcing myself to be kind I'm forcing myself to know it's not that it's something that is a byproduct from the transformation that God's in your heart and he can and will do it so Great, great conversation here. I would love for you to tell us what's your relationship like with your dad now? Is he going to listen to this podcast and be like, what? Like, what? Call me out. (laughs) You know, that's been the interesting part because there have been, as the years have progressed, you know, as we're all as siblings getting older, we're able to speak, I think, more openly about, hey, you know, I I didn't like this growing up. This is how I felt. This is what you've, you know, you've 
done and you've said, this is the things, you know, we've been able to be more open about that. And so there have been more conversations that have taken place. And also too, and I think what helped even that honor part, the passion part, realizing the situations that took place in my parents' past, in my father's past, that, you know, you see this like this cycle. And so that allows you to have compassion that, you know, we all a lot of times respond and operate how we were responded and operated, you know, with and all that. So, but yes, I would say that conversation now is that like, because we've been open, so it's like, listen, we've got to cross that line. So either I'm going to go close to there, right? Or I'm like, you know, this is the line right here and I'm not, I'm not going to go further. I think with me, things are really, I think, good and and great and, and getting better. Grandkids are always uh, such a beautiful component because just as a dynamic, right, of legacy continuing and more areas and topics of, of, of conversation, more than just school and more than just success and more than just career and all that because that was so much you know of our of our before conversations and relationships now there's more involved which that that's always helpful you know as again as well as as I get older and mature, the checking on, you know, and how are you doing and praying for and being able to speak more clearly, more boldly. And like, and like we said before, knowing that because my confidence is in my Heavenly Father, that even if I stumble, even if I fall with this, I'm falling back on Him. And there's such safety there and there's such peace there. So, and, and I feel like my father too has as the more realization of just certain things that maybe his siblings who were like, you know, this wasn't okay or this made us feel this way. I think he's also growing in that and being more careful, being more intentional with communication and with you with all that. So that really is, I think, a beautiful, beautiful thing that I'm so thankful for. Cause I mean, I love my dad, you know, that he's gonna get us all crying up in here. So I'm like, I'm, I didn't even, I, you played it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I really, I really do. And having a father is a gift. And, you know, and I know to you, like, I could have experienced so, such, so many things I can't even comprehend. I could have experienced that. And, and I'm so thankful that I you know I did it. Doesn't mean, you know, my, my dad was perfect, but I'm, I'm thankful. But I also know that, and I have to come to terms with this, having kids that there will be things potentially, I'm going to do my best, that my kids may one day need to go to a counselor for. Yeah. Because I had awares because of my own, do you know what I'm saying? So that level, that gives you another level of compassion. And yeah, so doesn't make my love for my kids any less, even if they feel like they didn't get something from me. And so I've realized that with my dad, like that didn't make his love for me less because he kind of did what he knew to do in those moments. He was pursuing different things and, you know, all of that. But with whatever capacity he had, what he was showing as love, that's what he was was trying to give to us and and it, yeah there were lots of different things that weren't weren't being met but i have compassion on that and i have honor for that and i'm thankful that god for all of us fills in all the gaps <laughs> more than fills in he just he just drowns them with his presence and his thank love and thank you god thank you god so um so yes i think it's definitely it, it is good with my dad and i'm so thankful for that Praise God. Praise God. You said so much that I shouldn't have been over here taking notes, but I just wanted to say, you know, that place that you get to where you're able to examine the type of how our fathers were fathered, 
that is a place of that the Lord has to bring you to, you know, where and it's not a place of dismissing or denying or rejecting or ignoring what you experienced in your relationship with your father. But it is a place of allowing perspective to impact your view on your father and what he was able to bring to the table. So I I do want to say that that it is helpful if you are able to get more understanding on how your father was bothered and how his father was bothered, it can give you a greater perspective. Not, I don't want you to walk away thinking that we're saying to that it dismisses or discounts. It does not. It just gives you more awareness. And then I also want to, you know, just offer encouragement if you're listening to Jenny and, and you're feeling sad because things didn't pan out for you the way things panned out for her and her father yet. I do want to put a yet in there if your father is not deceased. Again, going back to the reality that God is our heavenly father. If things are not the way we desire them to be, and it's hard for us to even say, I love my father. You are loved lavishly by God, our heavenly father. So I want you to know that. I want you to know that. And I I just felt an impression from the Lord to just say that uh, because I I feel that someone might be feeling that today. So as we are kind of winding down, I I think I put like a thousand questions in here. I'm like, how am I going to get these questions. I'm not. I'm not going to get to them all. But I do want to just break this down and make it a little bit more practical for you. If you're listening and you're saying, how on earth am I supposed to know God is my father? You keep talking about this on like every podcast here. You know, Jenny, I would love for you to share just some practical ways that women can begin to know God as their heavenly father. What would you offer them as advice? I would say, and this is, you know, kind of kind of coming from my my experience is that you've got to be honest with yourself first. You know, that talk about assessment, like just, you know, see where you are. You know, his word is, is a, you know, a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Like ask Holy Spirit to examine you, to see where you're at, because to see God, what things, what filter have I been viewing you through? Yeah. What things have I been allowing to affect my relationship? Just do a little Holy Ghost assessment, you know, um, you know, with social where you talk about intake form, do a little Holy Ghost intake about what exactly is going on and God, what are some of the root systems, right? Where are some of the lies that I've been, been believing? What are the things I'm afraid of? God, do that. That way, then Lord God, you can come and dismantle those lies. You can come and cut down those root systems. You can come and replace every falsehood, fear, and lie with your truth and that you could, God, where maybe my foundation was built on something else, God, because you're 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 doing some work, right? You're you're dismantling God. You you gotta put my foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ. And, or if you want to look at another illustration, like imagine yourself as that 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 clay in his hands, right? It's that board. I've I've been built up with so much, but I, I need you to put me in your hand as I'm breaking, as I'm shaking, as I'm seeing that all this happening, God, would you put me back in your hand? Would you mold me? And knowing that in that molding that you were so close and you're so, you're held so close to him in that moment. But I would say that's where I, cause I like, you know, a lot of times we want to just want to add on, want to add, put a bandaid on, want to do all these things. And at a certain point, it's like, that's not enough. It's not enough. I got to have this thing rebuilt from the crowd up, you know, as much as possible. And so I would say, do that. See where you are, get an assessment, ask God to reshape, reform. 
And then ask God to show you whether it's verses, whether it's community friendships that help continue to solidify that view, you know, and, and allow him to speak to you in that. Like for me, what helped solidify that aspect of God the Father was understanding that I was loved conditionally. So once like fear of man was like pinpointed and, and it began to be broken and God's truth was the truth of what he spoke to my heart. I'm sorry. God is. Yeah. God's the fear of me. Yes. Yes. When he, the Lord kind of dismantled fear of man, when he dismantled all that aspect of my life, what I was doing based on other people. And he reminded me, J- Jenny, like, I, I love you regardless. Like if you mess up, if you do the best job out there, right, you get the gold star. That's great. I want you to be able to take failure and success and strive, but I don't want you to move it for you to allow it to move you off of what I feel about you because you're safe with me. You are secure with me. You can trust me and you have open access to me through Jesus Christ. That, I think, was one of the biggest things, right? Because all those lies, all those fears are shackles on our feet. That's why like, I want to get from the ground up. I want to get those things taken away. Because then after that, like he, verses like Hebrews 4.16, where I can go to your throne room boldly to receive mercy and grace in my time of need, that was life-changing or me to think that, God, I don't have to check off a list. I don't have to work super hard because of what Jesus did on the cross. I have access to your throne room to not like give you some like report, right? To not like to get an assignment from you, but just to go and say, God, I need you. Or just to sit there. That safety and like to sit on your lap, something that I never did or comprehended as a child, right? And my father, that I have access to do that. Just beginning to picture all that and imagine all that and to operate and experience that was life changing for me. Absolutely life changing. And so that's what I would say. Um, it, it was a feel practical as I explained it, but honestly, like, Lord, who am I? What do I know what I look like? What am I dealing with? Would you dismantle those things, replace those lies with truth? And now that I can see clearly, Lord God, oh Lord, like let me run with abandon to your feet, to your arms, to your throne room to receive what I need. I need. Yeah, and definitely. The, and it's back to that stripping that you were talking about of our ideas and our assumptions and, and really how life formed us to be, uh, or we allowed life to form us to be the situation, situations and the circumstances of our life. We have to allow God to show us who we are in Him, which I know that's something that you talk about in terms of just identity and getting your identity through God. Would you say that that's kind of, you know, the basis of what you're, you're saying is taking place when you pray a prayer like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely. And that has been, and I've seen that then become more and more evolved into just really my core life message is that identity is that like who I am is determined by my father. And I've got to know my identity is anchored in him because if not the heavenly father, your heavenly father, yeah, I have, I'm sorry, my heavenly father, I'm going to run to so many different places to have my needs met, to have that affirmation, whether it is success, it is school, it is whatever earthly, you know, the approval of, of earthly people. But no, because my identity is in Christ alone, that means I've got to go to him for my source, for whatever I need. Everything else then can come out of the overflow 
flow of that. And, and, and it just, it gives you this confidence that, that is not, you know, I like to put these words together that it gives me humble confidence as opposed to insecure pride. Because what it says is that, you know what? I can be humble. I can honor. I can, you know, all those things. Because no, it's not me. It's, it's it like, it, you know, it really is, is, it's him. Like he's doing it. I'm under his hand, but yet I can step out in confidence because of the same reason it's him. I'm leaning on him. If he called me to do something, if he put me in that room, if he told me to speak, okay, yeah, I'm going to humble myself enough and walk in confidence enough to do exactly what God's saying. But it's the insecurity that brings up pride that makes us maneuver and manipulate and maybe, maybe hide. Even when God says go, all those things, it's like the, the King Saul, right? When he's called out as, as King initially, he's hiding in the baggage. Yeah. Hiding in the baggage. Listen, these are the reasons why I want to be hiding under the shadow of God's wings, not in my baggage, not in my issues. And so that is why we have to allow Holy Spirit to, to just put that light on us and Say constantly, we need a rhythm of this. Lord God, you search my heart, right? See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's any way in me that is putting up an idol in front, that's putting a filter in my eyes because God, I want to be free enough to know where to run. And that's to your presence. It's under your shadow. I don't want to be hiding in baggage when you, when you say it's my time to step out, when you say it's my time to pour into somebody, when it's my time to step into a relationship and have my own kids, when I'm it meant to pick out this guy, a person who I'm going to marry, who's going to be a father in the future himself. Like all those things matter and they trickle out of the decisions you make now. And so, yeah, definitely. I would say identity matters more than, I mean, I'm I'm biased on identity, but it's so foundational for us in all that we're doing in our lives. Yeah. I was was almost getting ready, Jenny, to say, what would you say to a woman who is who is in a is hurting right now, but I feel like you said it. <laughs> you said y'all have gotten a whole word, a whole word today from Jenny. Don't hide out in your baggage. And I love that you, when we were talking about forming a relationship with God, you know, began with a question because sometimes we are hiding in baggage and we don't even know that that we're hiding in baggage. We don't know that we're wearing a mask. We don't know that we're being insecure. We don't know that we're caught up in the performance trap. We don't know that we shouldn't be dating that man. We don't know. We don't know these things. We don't see it as baggage. We're, we're like, this is my normal. This, and what's wrong with this? Until the Holy Spirit shines a light on our behavior and our our security blanket, you know, with the the light of his word and his truth. And we're really able to see things for what they truly are. So guys, I hope you have been encouraged. And also, I hope you've been challenged because I know I have been. Jenny, you have really given us some nuggets to to think on and to meditate on and some thoughts to ponder. If ladies are interested in connecting with you further, if they're interested in your book or learning more about Milk and Honey Women, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on at JennyErlingson.com. And I would say that's pretty similar on all my, I guess, social media platforms on Instagram, Jenny Erlingson, and then 
on Facebook, Jenny Ayenda Erdenson. But yeah, just kind of heading there and seeing, you know, things are always a work in progress. So you might see a ton of information some places and you might not. I'm, I'm definitely there doing my best to share and encourage. It's kind of the, my number one priority when it comes to those things like social media and all that is just to to encourage and to draw us all back to the Lord. <laughs> back to his meeting because that's where you're going to get everything that you need is, is in that place. Exactly. Period. So period. Jenny, it has been truly a blessing to spend time with you. I, I truly thank you for your wise words and for your transparency and just your heart to encourage women. We have been so blessed. And for all of the listeners, please stay tuned for another episode next in two weeks. In two weeks. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, episode 45, Exchanging Your Father Wounds for the Love of God the Father with Jenny Erlingson. I hope this episode has been an encouragement to you, and I want you to know whether your dad is deceased, absent, divorced, unavailable, incarcerated, or you don't know who he is, sis, there is hope for you. Hope to be healed. Hope to be secure. Hope to be free, completely free. Hope to be satisfied with the love of God. Yes, there is hope for women with father wounds. This was episode 45 of Hope for Women with Father Wounds. I am your host, Kia Stevens. If you are benefiting from this podcast and think it might help another woman, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Rate, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Be sure and check out the links associated with this podcast so you can access several free resources for you. Also, for even more support, I encourage you to purchase my newly released book, Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love, wherever books are sold. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you will join me for episode 46, Exchanging Father Wounds for the Love of God the Father with Denise J. Hughes. Hope for Women with Father Wounds is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.